It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 129. And I guess we have to begin with the historic event of President Donald Trump becoming the first president to be impeached twice. But my big concern this week has been not so much that, but what big tech have done with this, how Twitter... Uh, allowed his 88 million followers to grow and it greatly benefited Twitter, but now he's going, of course, they banned him. They ban him a couple of weeks before he leaves office. Not exactly the bravest thing in the world. But there's a lot going on with big tech and, and, and there's a lot I wanted to say, but this man, Arnold Rajan, who is a BBC journalist, says it better. This is worth listening to. It's brilliant. Fearing regulation that will spook their investors, the data kings of California have for years resisted the idea that they are publishers. That era is over. A grand de-platforming of Donald Trump and many of his supporters is underway. Twitter's boss, Jack Dorsey, has deleted President Trump's account. Facebook has also suspended him. And now Amazon's web services and Apple with its app store and also Google, have said that they will no longer host Parler, a free speech network where extremism has flourished. These were human decisions, not algorithmic, and there are arguments against them. First, double standards. If Trump is banned, why isn't Iran's supreme leader, who has used Twitter to incite violence against Israel and promoted conspiracies about vaccines as recently as last week? And libertarians say that all ideas are better debated in the open and that such bans merely convert Trump into a free speech martyr. That was precisely the argument of these data kings until the past week. They are the editors of the Internet and they have more power than any politician or journalist in history. The question that matters is not have they made the right editorial call. The question that matters is, is it right that a handful of Californian billionaires should hold such sway over the 21st century public domain. Isn't that great? Is it right that a handful of Californian billionaires should hold such sway over the public domain? Do you know, the hypocrisy is breathtaking. I've written a couple of articles on it uh, and actually being quite bitterly attacked uh, from both sides for them. But I think the one that sticks in my mind is... Um, Slate, the online magazine, stating nonviolence is an important tool for protests, but so is violence. Well, the fact that a magazine is advocating violence and it doesn't get banned. President Trump, who didn't directly advocate violence, but I think I think it is right to say that he did stir people up and it, that was almost an inevitable result of what he said. So the criticism of him is valid. But nonetheless, they ban President Trump, who at most by insinuation uh, incited violence, but people like Slate or the Ayatollah Khomeini or the Chinese Communist Party directly advocate violence. It's pure hypocrisy. Let's take something else in, in terms of how media and censorship works. 
The UK Parliament has a Digital, Culture, Media and Sports Committee. And speaking in December, Melanie Dawes, the Chief Executive of the Broadcast Regulator Ofcom, said it was extremely inappropriate for broadcasters to seek to balance the views of transgender people by also giving airtime to the views of anti-trans pressure groups. And Ofcom has now said that speaking against transgender issues is itself hate speech. So feminists, so JK Rowling, so those (laughs) scientists, people who actually accept science, so Christians and other religions who believe that God did create man male and female, as the science actually says, if we say that, we're guilty of hate speech. And it gets worse than that. So, for example, we couldn't report on this. A federal judge in the US has ruled that a man convicted of raping his 10-year-old daughter will be allowed to get gender reassignment surgery while in prison. Mark Allen Campbell, 49-year-old Wisconsin man, now wants to be known by Nicole Rose and identifies as female, wants to go to a female prison after repeatedly abusing and raping his 10-year-old daughter. He claims that his rights have been violated under the Eighth Amendment of the US Constitution because not allowing him gender surgery is cruel and unusual punishment. Do you even know where to begin with that? Or, take this, would would we be allowed to report on this? The BBC had a ridiculous report where they said that doctors say a court ruling halting the use of puberty blockers could cause children to commit suicide. And they did that on the basis of unevidenced assertions from a non-specialist medic, and they disregarded doctors who actually had experience in this field. They didn't report the views of actual experts, and they did not follow their own guidelines that misreporting about suicide is actually potentially harmful. But it doesn't matter because you have to fit in with the woke ideology, whatever the science, whatever the reality, whatever the history, whatever the truth. These things are tied together. Oh, it makes you angry, but uh, look, here's, here's something else that this is anger expressed at a, a concert. It really is quite extraordinary. Let's listen to it and I'll, I'll explain it in a moment. Well, here we are, the Irish in America. The Irish have been coming to America for years. Going back to the Great Famine when the Irish were on the run from starvation. And a British government that couldn't care less. Right up to today, you know, there are more Irish immigrants here in America today than ever. Some illegal, some legal. A lot of them are just running from high unemployment. Some run from the troubles in Northern Ireland, from the hatred of the H-blocks and torture. Others from wild acts of terrorism, like we had today in a town called Inniskillen, where 11 people lie dead, many more injured on a Sunday, bloody Sunday. That is Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Um, that version is on the film and the album uh, Rattle and Hum. I love it because there's so much passion on it. 
It's just an incredible concert, and I love Bono's anger. I love his passion. I love his sense of injustice. And that came to mind this week because the funeral of the former real IRA leader Michael McKevitt took place in Ireland. He was one of the four men found liable for the Omar bomb, a bomb which killed numerous people, devastated so many lives. He was released from prison in 2016 after serving a 20-year sentence for directing terrorism. He was married to Bernadette Sands McKevitt, uh, sister of the IRA hunger striker Bobby Sands, and, and one day I'll tell you a story about that one. Yeah. I could not believe how many people, politicians and others, spoke of him as a hero. He wasn't a hero. What he did was wicked. What he did was evil. But, you know, I, I love the lyrics of that song and, and Bono saying, the battle's just begun to claim the victory Jesus won. That's the way to look at these things. Okay, let's go to Scotland. Very briefly, Nicola Sturgeon is in deep trouble, as I've been forecasting for a while. Um, it's fascinating that the former First Minister, Alex Salmond, has made a submission to the Hamilton Inquiry in which he states that Nicola Sturgeon lied to the Parliament and broke the First Minister's conduct. If that is true, she should resign. She must resign. But somehow she's a wee bit like Teflon. Um, things don't stick to her. But we shall see what happens. Having said that, the bookies are uh, giving odds on the fact that she will be gone by the end of this year. And they are suggesting that the favourite to replace her is the finance minister, Katie Forbes. Um, Katie Forbes is a fascinating person. Those who are anti-Scottish nationalists will slam and slag her, but I just, I, I have so much time for her in lots of ways, not least because she's a Christian and a member of the Free Church. But more than that, she's an intelligent and very competent and compassionate politician. And Scotland would be in a much better place, I think, if she were in charge. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, your Royal Highnesses. This next song I recorded in 1968, but I firmly believe it was meant to be sung tonight. Congratulations and celebrations when I tell everyone that you're in love with me. Congratulations. That is congratulations to Sir Cliff Richard, who was 80 years old. That that clip of congratulations was from when he was 73. I mean, he recorded it. I think it was a number one hit in 1968. Uh, he recorded it at the Queen's Jubilee in 2012. Uh, he's had his ups and downs as well in many ways, not least the accusations against him. But in a recent interview with Premier, he spoke of his continued and consistent 
Christian faith. So congratulations, Sir Cliff. And on to a different kind of music. Let's go back to our national anthems. I would be astounded if any of you knew this, but go ahead. That is the national anthem of Kyrgyzstan, and I'll tell you why we're playing it in a moment. Kyrgyzstan is not Kazakhstan. It is one of the stands. It's not Turkmenistan. It is a land that's about 200,000 square kilometers, so it's about two and a half times the size of Scotland. It has six million people, mostly, I think you say Kirks or Krikes or whatever, um, who are Muslim. semi-nomadic herders largely, 90% of it is mountain ranges and valleys. And from the photos, it's an astonishingly beautiful place. This week, the front runner in their presidential election, Sadir Japarov, has won by a landslide. He won 79% of uh, the votes cast. He's going to have presidential powers uh, given to him by a new constitutional Amendment. There's been a crisis there since October. There were um, lots of questions about the election itself, but he said he's going to promise to rule the country with an open government free of corruptions. How many times have we heard that one? Uh, we pray for Kyrgyzstan. And then what's going on in the world in terms of COVID? There's so much, I guess. America today, I'm recording this on uh, Thursday, had 4,600 deaths uh, today, the highest number yet. A new variant of coronavirus has been detected in Japan. Um, Intensive care units uh, are full and ambulance are are queuing outside hospitals in Southern California. Last weekend, the state recorded nearly 50,000 cases per day. China has had new cases of COVID. Some areas around Beijing have been placed into lockdown. The King of Malaysia has declared a state of emergency following a sharp rise in infections. Indonesia is in trouble. This plague is really, I think, humbling. Well, I hope it's humbling the rulers of the earth. presenter and conservationist, walking is a really important way to stay connected to nature. It gives me a chance to slow down and also just to spot the things that perhaps you miss in your everyday busy life. And of course, it's really, really good for your physical and mental well-being. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be meeting with experts from the National Trust to discover more about the landscapes that they look after. Let's move on. This is an extraordinary story. I've got to tell you this. Uh, National Trust bosses have drafted in school children 
to lecture staff and volunteers on the colonial and slave trade links of some of the charity's country houses. This is what's called reverse mentoring. Uh, they are going to look at a range of colonial links, including slave, produce, sugar wealth, and so on. So basically, you're going to get primary school children indoctrinated by teachers going to the staff of the National Trust and accusing them of being racists and supporting, you know, a racist organization. It, it, it really is quite remarkable. A hundred primary school children have visited 10 National Trust houses to craft fiction and short essays, which are then presented to audiences. Well, there we go. What does the Bible say? And children shall teach them. Which got me thinking again about in, in indoctrination. You know, you get this statement all the time. You're only a Christian because your parents were. Or Richard Dawkins. If you're born in Saudi Arabia, you'll be a Muslim. If you're born in the southern US, you'll be a Christian. What he doesn't say, if you're born into a middle class Oxford family, you're highly likely to be an atheist. It works always. Well, there's a fascinating podcast called Contracast, which I listen to occasionally. It's a Marxist view of life, semi-Marxist view of life from Scotland. Um, and I listened to this one because it had the wonderful journalist Kevin McKenna on it. And at one point, he asked David Jameson about... Kevin McKenna was being asked about his beliefs in God and in being a Catholic. And he asked David Jameson's about his belief. And this is the response. I'm not religious at all. In fact, I'm probably one of the most materialist, I mean, philosophically, people I've ever met, which isn't by choice. I mean, it, the thing that um, I find strange about that is, I mean, basically, I'm an atheist because I, my parents were atheists. In fact, I actually remember believing in God before I found out my parents were atheists. Right, the moment right. they told me, I changed my mind. So I've always got that lingering question of, you know, well, Am I more enlightened uh, <laughs> or am I just the same way as people with religious parents grew up religious? I, I grew up with different because you automatically agree with your parents, right? But I, I'm philosophically totally like atheist. Isn't that fascinating? David Jameson has the sus to admit that he was an atheist. In fact, he wasn't. As a child, he says he wasn't an atheist. But then he discovered his parents were. And so he went with his parents. It's not reason. It's not rational. It's not based on evidence. He's just gone against his natural God-given instinct to believe in God because of the indoctrination of his parents. Fascinating. And let's stick with indoctrination. Let's go to India, where Madhra Pradesh has become the latest state in India to pass a law banning religious conversions a law which came into state into force rather on the 9th of January. That's now 10 states, I think, in India where there are anti-conversion laws. Now, the law sounds great because it says this, no person shall convert or attempt to convert either directly or otherwise any other person by use of misrepresentation, allurement, use of threat of force, undue influence, coercion or marriage or by any other fraudulent means. Now, personally, I'd sign up to that. I don't try to convert people. I don't believe I can convert people. It's way too difficult. I believe only God can. But this is not about that. This is about people changing religion. And when people do convert, it's highly likely it will lead to many prosecutions. All right. Ah, there's... 
Sometimes I miss the lochs of Scotland. One of the most beautiful, of course, is Loch Lomond. Now, why do we play that? We play that because I read an amazing, or heard an amazing talk. Amazing in that it was so breathtakingly bad. Um, from someone called Kelsey Leonard. And arguing this, the Wanganu River in Aetoria, New Zealand, and the Ganges River in India were both granted legal personhood in 2017. And even this year, the residents of the city of Toledo recognized the legal personality of Lake Erie. And right here in California, the Yurok tribe granted legal personhood to the Kalamath River. So we have to say that rivers are people and they have the rights of people. They have human rights. I just wonder, I mean, I'm sitting here right now with a bottle of water that's come from a river. And I'm just wondering if I should have asked permission, first of all, before I um, eat, sorry, or drink this person. Yeah? By yon bonny banks and by yon bonny braes. Who knew that Loch Lomond was a person? But I want to go out with another song. Um, Jerry Marston of Jerry and the Pacemakers. He died at, uh, at the end of the year, beginning of this year. Famous for songs like Ferry Across the Mersey and for the incredibly emotional and beautiful song, You'll Never Walk Alone. It's a song that's a football chant. Lots of football clubs sing it, Dresden, Celtic. But of course, most of all, Liverpool. I still find it just an incredibly emotional song. Now, let me say something about it before we go out with it. This idea of loneliness is not an idea, it's a reality of loneliness. Sometimes you really feel it. Sometimes in Christian ministry I've felt really lonely. Sometimes people can be married and feel lonely. Sometimes people can be out in a crowd of friends and feel lonely. Sometimes people can be at work and feel lonely. I think the loneliness that's referred to here particularly is when you're remembering loved ones who've gone on, who've died. There's a loneliness that comes in that as well. I think it's very emotional music. Like U2's uh, song is very emotional. Like Runrig's song, Loch Lomond, it's very emotional. U2's song makes me just feel the anger of injustice. Runrig's version of Loch Lomond just makes me think of, of the land and the people and the country. That's what good music does. But this one, Walk On With Hope In Your Heart, You'll never walk alone. You know that as a Christian, I'm going to say, well, Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why the Christian ultimately can never be alone. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end. Of a storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver sound of love. I actually think that m- m- much of the way that this song is sung is pretty maudlin and sentimental. And not true. I think people are often alone, and I think people often walk alone. Now it's great we've got friends. It's great we've got family. It's great we've got people who come beside us. But ultimately, what we need most of all is Christ. Look, I hope that wherever you are this year, that you will know the presence and the peace of Christ. Please keep sending me、uh, news and views. It's great to get them from you. Please do pass this on to other people. I should have some new stuff coming to you fairly soon, and God bless. Hopefully, see you next week. And if you wish to support through the Podbean、uh, fundraiser, please do that as well. Bye. Thank、you